Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Welcome to the 3CR Spoken Word Program. My name is Di Cousins and we are continuing a series of programs on poetry that made a difference to the way poetry was written in the 20th century. And my guest is the celebrated Australian poet Judith Rodriguez. Um, Judith, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Di. Great. So where, where will we begin um, in part three? Well, I thought I'd begin with the way we look at nature because it's so totally different today from anything one could have written, say, in the 19th century. They were very used to using nature to represent human feelings and even protest, as in Shelley's uh, Ode to a Skylark. But, well, the first people in Australia looked at nature, of course, with alienated eyes, They thought that the bush was colourless and had no beautiful flowers. They thought that the birds were songless, whereas we know which of our birds sing beautifully. Um, And one of the most original people in this respect was quite an early poet, Shaw Nielsen, who, of course, contributed to the Bulletin. When he comes to look at the crane in the swamps near his birthplace at Panola, he doesn't see a colourless or songless person. He sees... A bird, yes, but also uh, a holy place in nature. And when you get modern magazines like Plumwood Mountain, which is emphasising nature, uh, you can see that nature has built into being very important to us. And it goes along, of course, with thoughts on climate change and the earth where we live. So I'll read The Crane is My Neighbour. The bird is my neighbour, a whimsical fellow and dim. There is in the lake a nobility falling on him. The bird is a noble, he turns to the sky for a theme, and the ripples are thoughts coming out to the edge of a dream. The bird is both ancient and excellent, sober and wise, but he never could spend all the love that is sent for his eyes. He bleats no instruction, He is not an arrogant drummer. His gown is simplicity, blue as the smoke of the summer. How patient he is as he puts out his wings for the blue. His eyes are as old as the twilight and calm as the dew. The bird is my neighbour. He leaves not a claim for a sigh. He moves as the guest of the sunlight. He roams in the sky. The bird is a noble. He turns to the sky for a theme and the ripples are thoughts coming out to the edge of a dream. I ought to add that Nielsen had a different way of looking at things, partly because he had extremely bad eyesight. He hated violent colour and light. So dim has a different feeling for him than for many of us. He doesn't like arrogance, as when he talks of the arrogant drummer, that would be the travelling salesman with his insistence on sales. So... There's a different line of values running in this poem. Very strange to see alongside the more um, uh, raucous, the more um, 
declamatory poetry of Patterson and Lawson. But I think that this is a, a stream that goes on. For instance, I think of Judith Wright's poems, um, Gumtree's Stripping. She doesn't regard this as a strange thing. She treats it as normal behaviour for a tree in the conditions that it lives in in the Australian bush. Now, that is a total change from the original experience of white people in this country. Granddaughter to Clancy of the Overflow. He a good friend from way back then, another bush poet named Banjo. We went out drinking dark ale. She said, You know, I'm a poet too. But all I could murmur. Back to her Was I could die Looking at you I could die Looking at you You trust in strangers And you take wrong turns With too much time to think And far too many drinks But like the way the whiskey burns And like a bird you swoop down You wedge closer than off you flew It was lucky you didn't stay there with me For I could have died Looking at you I could die affair was over now it all felt like a dream those sweet drunk mornings we be down in the bills dirty CBD will I ever drove the northern plains and see that ghost of Clancy riding through cause for now I'm a flying south back home 
just thinking that I almost died looking at you. I could die looking at you. Said we'd run away to leave our woes and start something new. Ah, maybe when we're old, we'll meet again. Yeah, we'll meet again. And then I. And I looking at you, I could die looking at you. I could die looking at you. I could die just looking at you. Welcome back to 3CR's Spoken Word program and you listen to a track from Geordie Lane's Live at the Wheatie, I Could Die Looking at You. And in the studio today we have um, Judith Rodriguez talking about uh, Australian poetry in the 20th century. And uh, where do we go to next, Judith? Well, not all Australian, but we're going to the way that we think differently about the way the mind works and the way it's reflected in a few poems. And what what's coming up next? Uh, the first one is Stevie Smith. I mentioned her poem, Not Waving But Drowning. This is a poem known to so many people. It reverberates for so many people. Now, I think in the 19th century, it was very difficult to write about something like depression unless you ascribed it to romantic love or uh, a generally disappointing uh, low-level life. Um, This one perhaps reflects the influence of the great psychologists, of Jung, of Freud, uh, people who gave a lot more thought to how the human mind works. Not waving, but drowning. Nobody heard him, the dead man, but still he lay moaning. I was much further out than you thought, and not waving, but drowning. Poor chap, he always loved larking, and now he's dead. It must have been too cold for him. His heart gave way, they said. Oh, no, 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 it was too cold always. Still the dead one lay moaning. I was much too far out all my life, and not waving but drowning. So that that's a sort of that's a poem that could really could not have been written, I think, earlier. Uh, Stevie Smith uh, lived from nineteen hundred and two to nineteen seventy one. Uh, she was an innovative writer all her life. Quite a surprising poet. I'm going next to Anne Waldman. Anne Waldman, a New York poet. Uh, Um, a good friend of Allen Ginsberg's, um, is still writing and still travelling. Amazing. 
This poem is called Pressure. Now, this is an enactment in that the person saying the poem is the person under the pressure doing it in front of you. Pressure. When I see you climb the walls, I climb them too. No way out of the cosmic mud hole. No way out of the telephone booth, the classroom, the VW bus, the igloo. No way out of the Quonset hut, the Tifa too, the greenhouse, the waterproof tent, the motel room, the split-level ranch house, the hacienda, the chalet, the icy castle, the formidable mountain, the haunted house, the 747, the rickety porch, the lazy afternoon, my mother's house, Emily Dickinson's staircase, the hospital ward. No way out of Chicago or Cleveland or Detroit. No way out of the 60-story office building, the church, the temple, the Long Island Railroad Station, the A-train, the D-train, the BMT, the 9th Street Crosstown bus, the rain, the 10-inch snow piling up outside my window, the refreshingly hot shower. No way out of the pool room, the bowling alley, the noisy bar, the enormous bathtub, the Chinese restaurant, the delicatessen, the department store, the trolley. No way out of the desert, off the Alps, out of the tunnel, out of the river, the lake, the ocean, the bay, off the skis, out of the arena, out of the spotlight, the movie theatre, the motion picture screen. No way out of the barn, the farm, the chicken coop, the stable, the hayloft. No way out of the doctor at the MA, the BA, the tool shed, the library, my sneakers. No way out of Africa, no way off the jeep, the circus, the rodeo, the Donizetti opera, la fille du régiment. No escape from Joan Sutherland's astounding voice or the barking dogs chasing the deer weakened from a long winter. No escape from the guitar or the cello or the harpsichord. No escape from the mailmen, the endless mail. No way out of the stationery store, the print shop, the newspaper office, the glossy IBM retail show- showroom on William Street. The poker game, the family dinner, the cocktail party, the birthday celebration. No way out of Christmas, off New Year's, out of Philadelphia, Texas, Little Town, PA. No way out of the sleeping bag. No way, no way. No way out of the celery patch, the organic vegetable garden, the ancient forest, the deep ravine, the glistening valley, the starry night, the Louvre, the Met, the numerous art galleries of New York and L.A., the simple chat, the zoo, no escape, the coat hangers, no escape, the history of Russia, no escape, China, Japan, the history of music, no escape, the voices of the pygmies singing in the rainforest, Gamelan, Mozart's legacy, and Sartes. No way out of prison, no way off progress, off collapse, no way out of the White House or the Senate or the Capitol. No way, no way, no way out of money, even when you're out of it. No way out of whippoorwills, swallows, gulls, the swimming pool, bellows, falls, the great chain of being, no escape. The magnetic field, no escape. The continental shelf, no escape. The great barrier reef, no escape, no escape. The Piper Club, no return. The next acceptance speech, no return. The last hurrah, the middle age, no way out of TV, no way off Mars, the moon, the sun's radiant energy. No way, no way, no way out of the structural anthropology or brain chemistry or painkillers or pain. No way off pleasure, the rainbow, no escape, the cab ride, no escape, the World Trade Center, no escape, the Amazon, no escape, Amazing Grace, no escape, Autumn, no escape, my window, no escape, and midnight, stubborn midnight, no escape. No return, no way off, no way out of midnight, black midnight, deep midnight, now coaxing midnight, gentle midnight, no escape. That poem is 
obviously a performance piece, but it's also talking about a state of mind that you would find it very hard to express, except in those desperate yelps. Yes. And that framing of a whole life. I mean, we could mm. all write that poem, but we'd all have different details to pour into it. Now, other habits of mind, very interesting. For instance, the kind of whimsy that looks at the little failings of the human mind gets attention these days. One of my favourite poets is the Czech immunologist Miroslav Holub, a delightful man. Uh, I find his works always refreshing because, well, he writes differently from most people and here is one of his poems. Brief Reflection on Maps Albert Schent Georgie, who knew a thing or two about maps by which life moves somewhere or other, used to tell the story from the war through which history moves somewhere or other. From a small Hungarian unit in the Alps, a young lieutenant sent out a scouting party into the icy wastes. At once it began to snow. It snowed for two days, and the party did not return. The lieutenant was in distress. He had sent his men to their deaths. On the third day, however, the scouting party was back. Where had they been? How had they managed to find their way? Yes, the men explained, we certainly thought we were lost and awaited our end when suddenly one of our lot found a map in his pocket. We felt reassured. We made a bivouac, waited for the snow to stop and then with the map found the right direction and here we are. The lieutenant asked to see that remarkable map in order to study it. It wasn't a map of the Alps, but the Pyrenees. Goodbye. Well, as you see, that's a much lighter poem, but it certainly uh, nails a, a, a fallibility of the human mind. Obviously, what was needed was confidence and space to think, and the map gave them exactly that. The next poem is uh, a remarkable one, which might make us think, about interrogation and surveillance, not matters that have a long history in poetry, as far as I know. It's written by Daphne Gottlieb, a US poet. Late last night, we abducted someone who loves you. We will not return this person unless you answer the following questions. Who have we taken? Where did we take this person from? Did they struggle or come willingly? Is it dark where this person is? Are they bound? Why have we taken this person? Is it because of something you said? What is the last thing you said to this person? Is it your mother? Are we prone to violence? Are you sure? Are we telling the truth? Are you? What is this person thinking right now? Are they frightened? Why have we done this? Do you consider yourself a good person? What is the last time you talked to your mother? What did you say to her? What do you do in case of an accident? Is there really any such thing as an accident? How are you feeling right now? Do you really think you can save this person? Are you trying as hard as you can? Do you know who we are? What makes you think any of this has to do with your mother? 
when you were very young. A strange man came to the house while your father was at work. Do you remember? Who was he? What did he want? Did he want money? Are you sure? Would you rather be rich or famous? Why was your mother yelling? Something broke. What was it? Who have we taken? Last night while we swept, slept, your lover was smiling and dreaming of someone. Who was it? Is there someone else your lover still craves late at night? Can you stop this? What was your last fight about? Is it the same reason your last lover left you? Was your lover wishing you were someone else during the fight? Who was it? Which of those awful things you said didn't you mean? Can you take them back? Is it too late to change? Is the person we have taken comfortable right now? What are they thinking of in the dark? Are they smiling? Can they depend on you? When was the last time you were happy? What if we never return this person? Is there such a thing as dying of natural causes? Do you know why we have done this? We are in the dark with a hostage right now. Is there any difference between us? Could you tell us apart in the dark? Are we close enough to touch? Are we holding a knife, a gun or another weapon? How could this end happily? Why don't you ever call? Could we be the person who loves you, who just wants to know how you feel? How could you do this to us? What do you regret most? Could we be watching you read this? Do you really think this is about love? Sometimes when you walk to your car, you're singing to yourself, and when you turn on the radio, it is the same song you were singing. Why does this happen? Is it our song? Will you sing for us? Now? So this is something that I don't think poets of the past would have wished to write about. Uh, and it's not a protest. It's an enactment of a kind that makes us develop our opinions and thoughts and horror, if you like. But it's not a reasoned discussion of the subject. It plays on so many traditional affections and fears. It's almost an education in how to dislocate somebody's mind processes. Well, that's something new in poetry. is always green And in the metal world the people say what the people mean There's no accidents Just common sense The streets are lined with the picket fences All in the metal worlds I can't live in the metal
Model Worlds from the Jack Ladder and the Dreamlanders CD Playmates. You've been listening to the 3CR Spoken Word Program and um, we're talking to Judith Rodriguez about 20th century poetry. Um, We're going to have to continue the conversation in another couple of weeks. So, Judith, thank you for coming in. Thank you, Di. My name is Di Cousins and I'm a part of the 3CR Spoken Word team. A quick word about the live poetry gigs in Melbourne. The Dan O'Connell Hotel in Carlton has poetry on every Saturday afternoon and Passionate Tongues is at the Brunswick Hotel every second Monday night. Westward happens out at the Dancing Dog Cafe in Footscray twice a month on Sunday afternoons. Voices in the Attic is run fortnightly on Tuesday evenings at 30 Dirk, Level 1 and 2, 239 Lonsdale Street. The House of Bricks, on or near the last day of every month, run by our very own Santo Katsati, that's me, corner of Bud and Keel Streets, Collingwood. Melbourne Poets Union is usually on the last Wednesday of the month at the Wheeler Centre. All of these gigs have open mics if you'd like to try your hand at sharing your work, or you can just go to listen. Check out the website, melbournespokenword.com, to find out more about the scene.